Kia ora. Welcome to another episode of The Depot brought to you by the awesome team at AutoSense. Now, for our frequent listeners, you may well be wondering uh, what's happened to Murph's voice. Well, uh, my name is Doug Carmel. I come from a radio and TV presenter background and work nationally as a freelance MC where I've presented at and contributed to multiple uh, business events within New Zealand, within the transporting sector. So today, I've been asked to take over this episode of The Depot to interview regular host and motorsport legend Greg Murphy about his return to Bathurst this year. Now, I saw Murph speak recently about this very topic, and it was both inspirational and educational, so we're in for a bit of a cracker of an episode. What are we going to chat about? Well, how he came to return to Bathurst, how he got both physically and mentally fit after eight years away from professional racing. And he has made it very clear following Bathurst this year that that was the last time he will race. So what are his plans now? So we're going to cover all that off right here on the depot. But before we get into the what, when, how and why he returned to Bathurst, Here's a reminder of Murph's career highlights. He raced in the legendary Holden Car 51. He's won four Bathurst titles in 96, 99, 2003, 2004. Other notable Bathurst placings, the third in 2000 with Stephen Richards, third in 2001 with Todd Kelly, finished second in 2008, and third in 2011. He and Richie Stanaway placed 11th at this year's event, and his 2003 Bathurst pole position of 206.85, we all know about it, stood as the fastest lap ever recorded at the Mount Panorama circuit until eclipsed seven years later. Colloquially known as the Lap of the Gods, it is widely regarded as one of the finest moments in Bathurst folklore. Murph, welcome. Thanks for letting me, for want of a better word, sit in the driver's seat today. Uh, how's life, mate, after three weeks on from Bathurst? Hey, thanks, Doug. Great. Uh, yeah, um, when this uh, was sort of offered up, uh, the the idea of it, I had to sort of think about it because, you know, I thought I was leading the Depot podcast and I didn't think I was going to be on the other side of it. But I'm glad to say that, um, you know, we caught up only a few weeks ago uh, before the recording of, of this. And, um, and yeah, you know, I decided you're a fit man for the job. So uh, great stuff. Uh, yeah, listen, um, three weeks after, and, and uh, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, I, it, it took a little while just to actually uh, come back down to the real world again um, because it, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a really inter interesting journey. And, and now, you know, I actually can't believe it's now past, three weeks past it, and the time is moving so so quickly considering how long the build-up process was to actually get to get to Bathurst, and it seemed like a bit of an eternity, and now it's gone. It's um, it's incredible. Well, look, mate, it's been uh, well documented as as we all know. It was eight years since you drove professionally. Uh, you turned the big five zero in August this year. Welcome to the club. And you. Uh, you know you're in demand as as a motorsport commentator. You're an ambassador across several organisations. There's family commitments. There's work. Why, mate? Why, I mean, why did you return to it? Did you need it? Was it? Was it? Uh, was there a feeling of oh, just one more time, or was there something else that lured you back? Why? Why? I got guilted. I got guilted. That's the only reason. I had. I had um, no um, desire, no need. I, I wasn't pining. I didn't um, have the itch in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I, I stopped racing. Um, professionally in 2014 uh, my last race was actually at the Gold Coast 
event in 2014, which was a couple of weeks after my final Bathurst, and um, had uh, decided at that time there was an offer on the table for me to to go and join the the media side of things and join Supercars Television and and uh, start a role uh, roaming up and down the pit lane, working alongside uh, Rhea, Rihanna Cran and, and Mark Larkham and and um, and also the rest of the, the the amazing Supercars Television team and 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 so for a little while there I you know, I, I sort of looked at it and was like, oh, you know, I still, do I want to be racing? Don't, don't I want to be racing? But I quickly um, realized that all the glum looking faces in the pit lane or from all the drivers, that is probably what my face had looked like for many years, looking and, and recognizing their face and, and the, the bit of the struggle and the stress and the strains that they were going through. I then realized I'd made the right decision uh, fairly early on in 2015. And, and, and from that point on, I never really looked back and and, um, and had signed off. You know, I'd signed off. I'd parked that part of my world and my life um, and my thinking in, in somewhere in the back back part of my brain. And, um, you know, and it was accepted that that was the, that was the end of it all. Um, until last year, um, uh, very uh, close friend and, and, and a guy that had um, given me uh, a, a real kickstart in in my Australian career way back in 1994, Peter Addison from Boost Mobile, um, decided that uh, after sort of being kazumped in the marketing space by the Triple Eight team and announcing a wild card early last year, early 2021, announcing a wild card for Russell Ingall and uh, um, Brock Feeney. Um, and for for Bathurst 2021, um, which got a huge amount of media coverage and was and was seen as a you know a, a pretty interesting move, and it was a bit of a, a ambush marketing thing because there was a a bit of a war going on between Repco, who had just taken over Supercar Championship sponsorship, and also announced that they were taking over Bathurst uh, as as a sponsor away from Supercheap. Supercheap had seen this as an opportunity to um, to do a bit of you know, their own ambushing, and um, it was received pretty well. So it was quite clever in that respect. But what it did was was sort of heightened Peter Adderton's sort of perky little ears, and he's like, that's the kind of thing I do. They shouldn't be able to get away with this. So he threw out, threw out on social media um, an idea. I, I, I reckon the Wildcard's a great idea. Well done to them. But I reckon we should bring back Murph and Richie Stanaway in a Wildcard car. Did he you know about that happening? No, no. So that was <laughs> yeah. a, he ambush marketed me and Richie Stanaway. So he decided just to throw that, because that's what he does. He, he, he does things and then thinks about it later, which is, which is one of his lovable, you know, characterisms. So, um, so he did this, threw it out there. And, and um, I was, uh, I think I was at home at the time. My, my um, son Cormac comes in because, you know, these, all these, teenagers are on social media endlessly and he comes in and says um oh well you never said anything about this and i'm like said anything about what and he goes oh you know doing a wild card at bathurst and i said well i haven't said anything about it because it's not happening and then he showed me the post and it was like oh my god anyway and then and then not long after that the phone rang and it was him and it comes up and i didn't answer it the first time i was like i I do not want to be engaged in in this ridiculous idea Anyway, um, that was May last year. We're uh, October 2022 and it's happened.
So you didn't want to engage in that conversation, but what was, I mean, what was the tipping point there? Uh, the tipping point was, was, um, was the guilting. So he, um, listen, I, I say that uh, it, it was part of it, but um, Richie Stanaway uh, is, a, is a very talented race car driver. Um, he walked away from the sport at the end of 2019 um, after going through, you know, a lot of uh, sort of negative kind of issues um, in, in his life and in his world and, and, and his, in his motorsport. And at, at that time, um, Peter from Boost or Boost Mobile was sponsoring the car that he was racing. And Peter likes, uh, you know, um, a bit of a comeback story and a bit of a and supporting those that are a bit hard done by and all this kind of stuff. And, and so he was sponsoring the car that Richie was driving. Unfortunately, things did not go well in 2019. And um, at the end of it, uh, Richie walked away, disappeared into hiding effectively back here in New Zealand and gave away his motorsport career, which was, which was, you know, incredibly tough for him um, and, and mentally very, very tough. He was going through some, you know, some real challenges around his life, which had only ever been motorsport really. Mm. And, um, and, uh, and as it turns out, it was the best thing he did was actually walk away and just leave it all behind. Um, and so Pete really is, was keen to try and get him back in a car. He wanted to, you know, really showcase his skill and, and, and bring him back. And, and, um, and, and so this was all part of his plan uh, that the two of us would do it together. And I, I'd been sort of, you know, reasonably close to Richie through the two years he spent full time in supercars and, you know, and saw the challenges um, that he was going through and how difficult it was and, and, you know, wanted to see him in a better environment that was going to showcase his skills. So, so effectively, you know, at the end of it all, the guilting, the bribery, whatever, and the corruption and all that stuff was part of me going, but it was, the, the story was, was too good to pass up in respect of, um, you know, collaborating to uh, to put a young young race car driver with the X factor back in a car to showcase his skills, and and you know we 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 achieved that this year. Yeah, for sure. Look, and and listen, you know, you just touched on that that you know, the, the, I guess the mental capacity, the psychology, the you know, the, the the tough couple of years that that Richie went through, and you know, from uh, you know 2018 through 2019, those two tough years. It's a great way to segue into because let's face it, you've been out of pro racing for eight years, so there was a massive mountain. I mean, you must have stood at the bottom of that mountain, looking up, going, "Oh, how do I get there?" You know, I need to get physically fit. I need to get my head back into the game. Are the cars, you know, what are the cars like now? They're different to when I was. You know, like you know. Talk us through some of that process for mm. you, you know, mentally to get yourself ready to move into, you know, racing Bathurst this year. Yeah, it's it was really daunting, you know. I, 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 you know, sort of when when we did actually say yes, I was straight away going, oh, what have I done? You know, what, yeah. what am I thinking? Trying to, you know, pretend that this is going to go well. Um, and, and, you know, it was, it was quite scary, but you, you, you do things and you look at the timeline and you go, okay, you make, made the decision and, and may we announced it right at the beginning of June. It's like, okay, I've got, you know, I've got June, July, August, September, I've got four months to get my shit together and, and, you know, get back in the gym and get physically ready and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, not long after we did that, we announced it, things started to unravel again with the, with the big C, you know, the old spicy coughs, bloody, you know, came back in a, sure. with a vengeance and another variant. And, and then we all shut down again and, and then began 
actually quite a torturous period because, um, you know, we had this plan in place and we needed to do our testing and we needed to do this and this and then and then the date for Bathurst got shifted and 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 it gave us more time but but we still were not seeing really um, the the ability to to actually be able to prepare properly by going to Australia driving the car. I mean, it wasn't just me and Richie. It was the team. It was the Erebus Motorsport crew who were putting this whole thing together and building a car. And it was just monumentous. And it actually really got to me, um, probably, and I would say Richie too, um, uh, towards the sort of you know, end of 2021 when when it was it was almost 99.9% certain we weren't going to be able to make it. Um, and it wasn't going to happen. So that that... but it was still the grind and there was so much chat going on and, and there was desperation and all sorts of stuff from lots of different angles to try and get us over there. And, and, and that actually became really, really tough and it actually got me quite down. Um, right. um, and, and it was a bit of a struggle. And I actually ended up talking to a, you know, a few people took stage, you know, had a long conversation with um, uh, Jay Reeves and, and Duncan Hyde on the rock because they're big into mental health and stuff. And I actually realized that I was actually having a bit of a struggle with all this. And, and it was all, I think it was also the, just the COVID thing. And as it was affecting a lot of people, but I had that big, I had a bit of a moment there as well. And the best thing that happened was that it got cut. We made a, finally made a decision to bail from, um, from actually trying to make 2021 happen. And it was the best thing that happened for sure, because it gave me more of a chance to actually get, um, fully prepared, you know, four months really wasn't going to be long enough to squeeze everything in the physical side. You know, I hadn't been going to the gym for, for years. I, I am never a fan of it, never enjoyed it. Um, I've been doing quite a lot of cycling and I was actually quite, um, uh, fit last year in a, in a cardio sense, cause I've been doing quite a lot of mountain biking, um, with some, with some mates, but I hadn't done a lot of gym stuff. Um, so getting back into that side of it was pretty interesting, but, it was key, you know. Um, fortunately, I had uh, two mates that were decided they wanted to come and do and train with me, and um, it, that with that motivational side, you know, last year in late forties, forty nine, I was last year, and and doing getting motivated was was really really important. So we motivated each other and pushed each other and went, you know, going to the gym and and it was it was actually a really really great thing to be doing for our physical yeah. stuff but also for our mental stuff and so we were doing a lot of the strength training um also some cardio stuff and but a, a real really uh good program that was varied focusing on so many different different parts of it but but isolating it around what's required and when you're driving a race car as well so that was that was really good and then being able to actually just get back into that this year once we announced that the wild card was going to go again for 2022 really get focused and get stuck into it again was was awesome and and it paid off like it, it wasn't just being physical and uh, good physical shape and and being and but it was the mental side knowing you'd done the work so yeah, turning yeah. up and and uh, getting in the car for the test sessions and feeling really strong and and not feeling fatigued and and at any moment you know when i drove the car through the testing and the and the pre pre uh pre um, runs to bathurst you know i got out of it and felt great and and that mentally you know you're like hey man i've done i've done the work you know i i just i actually i started to feel more like i deserve to be doing doing it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and so and and that was that was critically important. And when I got to Bathurst, I you know that wasn't something that I was worried about because I knew I'd actually done the the hard yards. And you know, and it's not just the gym, but it's the it's you know looking after myself as far as nutrition and and not that I you know I eat uh, badly and you know I've been very fortunate to be looked after by my wife in that respect most of the time because I'm terrible when it comes to cooking and stuff. But um. You know, all those things are so critically important. And it was when I was racing, but I stepped away from all that a long time ago and and you just don't focus on it as much anymore. Did it take, did so, it, did it take you did it take you a while to actually get back in the groove? Look, the reason why I asked that, right? Look, look, it's really interesting that you're talking about because you're balancing, you're balancing, you know, um, your, your training program, your fitness program, your, tra- uh, your some nutrition, as you say, you know, um, you got your mental training inside that. There's a there's there's a raft of things when you're playing at that absolute elite level, right? Yeah. If I take that back to a really to like a at, you know, at some of our listeners right now, you know, like the, the, the stuff that we put in the way of going and doing a simple mm. walk or going and doing a simple run or taking some time for ourselves, there's always something that we put in the way that go, oh, look, I could still yep. have time. How did you manage that? I mean, talk us through what maybe a standard day would have looked like or a week might have looked like for you as you're really leading into that that peak period of heading over. Well, that, and that's the thing. It's, it's a very valid point because... Um, I'm I'm not a race car driver anymore. You know, I was yeah. I was going to be for one weekend, but yeah. you know um, that's not my job. You know, I don't um, I don't uh, have a contract with a race team um, to you know pay me to be a race car driver, and so you know I've got other things to do. You know, I do my work with AutoSense and I do my work with uh, lots of other partners, and and I do you know Sky Speed on every you know for forty weeks a year you know, working with Stephen MacGyver. So that's that's a trip to Auckland pretty much every week for 40 right. weeks. Um, and then there's all the other commitments around that with with all the other, other amazing, um, you know, companies and brands that I, I do work for. Um, so so I had to fit all that in. And listen, there was, you know, there was there was weeks um, where I wasn't able to do the pra- the training and all that kind of stuff. So And, and then there was weeks where, um, yeah, you just, you, you, you actually just don't want to and all that kind of stuff. And it's very easy to, to find excuses, but, but luckily, as I said before, I had, had some motivating from certainly the guy that was doing the training, um, with us, uh, Roy was just amazing, uh, from the, uh, Institute of Sport, um, Elite Institute of Sport down in, in, in Hastings. Um, you know, he was, he was a great motivator and, and was able to, to, um, you know, keep us interested in that training side of things but so it is finding the time and as I say some weeks it was just not possible but I knew how important it was so you know you you, you keep going back to it but it's massively challenging so a normal week for me there is no such thing effectively because right. it, it, it's right. always shifting and moving and these commitments that I mean I live in Hawke's Bay but as I say pretty much going to Auckland once a week either for a day or was it for two days or three days you know um, there's no effect so many of my weeks are not you know, five um, working days and then a weekend. They just they're just days. It doesn't matter that that it's a Saturday and Sunday because you end up having to be places and doing things uh, just like it's it's a weekday. So, and, you know, the routine and and strategy uh, uh, structure around um, you know a, a calendar was 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 pretty difficult. And then you know trips to Australia for the testing and all that kind of stuff and just manipulating everything was 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 a massive task. Um, much 
not much bigger than I thought it was going to be. I knew it was going to be big, but it it, it just uh, was in some some cases was too much um, because you know the focus that you did need to to be looking at um, around pretending to be a race car driver for one weekend you know, was, was massively challenging when there was so much other stuff that, that I was prioritizing, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I had to. Yeah. 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 But I guess the other side to that though, then is like, was it about going, I know I need to do X amount to get to there. So however that looks, I just know I need to do this much as whenever I can during the yeah. week to make that happen, you know? And I think, you know, for me, like as somebody, like, I mean, I, I, I love my mountain biking too, but mm. but I, I do find excuses now to, to, sure. to like not, not go and train, but I guess when you're leading into what you're leading into, and as you say, a racing car driver for one weekend, it doesn't matter whether you're doing it for one weekend, or you're going to continue. You've got to be at that peak, peak, you know, um, part, part of your game, don't you? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. It is a really interesting conversation that around that mental fitness. And I guess the other side to that too is, you know, um, you know, how did you go with that whole mental side of it? You know, um, um, you know, did you feel expectation on you and Richie to, to achieve or like, you know, um, you know, how did that go for you? It's, it's a weird one um, because, you know, you, you naturally have this uh, competitive instinct, right? You know, it's it's been parked. But I mean, I did other motorsport when I stopped racing and I moved back to New Zealand. I did other things, and I still do a you know dabble in in some more low level kind of racing, which I really enjoy doing, just because I like driving cars and and some of the cars that I get to drive are really cool and fast and exciting. And that's yeah. and that's and that's the buzz that I I still like. And I and I probably I, I think I still need that a little bit, but it's not that stressful level where you know, where you are auditioning constantly or you're, you know, the next result could be the the one that either determines that you've got a job or you don't, you know, I don't have that anymore. And so the stress level's really low. So, but as soon as you start to, and the first time I drove the car earlier in the year, um, our, our wildcard car, you know, it was like, it was, it was pretty nerve wracking because it's like, well, how am I going to actually feel in here? Am I going to, to, you know, have um, that natural sort of feeling and instinct again. And, and at what level is it going to be? Is it going to be good enough or is it going to be really, you know, needing a massive upgrade? Is it going to be really difficult right. to get to? Yeah. Um, and so getting that out of the way, getting the first uh, day out of the way or getting in the car for the first time was was a big relief. You know, it had been so much talk and so much chatter. So, my, my, you know, you, the mental side of things was like, you know, everyone's talking about it, everyone's talking about it, but we haven't actually done anything yet. We haven't actually driven the car. And yeah. and that's really at the end of the day is the bit that determines, you know, if it's a if it's a, a fail or not. So it was pretty nerve wracking. Um, and then the first stage of getting some relief and 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 getting some and taking a breath was driving it and realizing okay yeah okay i'm not i'm not great but i'm not rubbish okay and then and then right. making a um you know uh making positive change every single time and then each day so the first day i finished and i was in a bit of a a rut but it'd gone okay but i was in a bit of a rut couldn't couldn't move forward and then usually you know taking a break coming back a few weeks later which is what we did get back in the car you know the there's a, a sort of subliminal change these sort of natural things that you naturally 
um, just do different next time because you've thought about it, you've looked at information, looked at data, all that kind of stuff. And so that was good. So the next step, the next time, next day I drove the car, I made it again again. So that was really positive. So those those were such critical um, moments for that mental side to sure, be able sure. to move forward. If I'd got really stuck and I couldn't get past something, then, you know, it would have been really, you know, it could have been um, a bit of a worry, you know? Yeah. And then our third test day, again, made some good gains. And so, you know, I was I was pretty happy with where I was and Richie was happy with where he was, you know, um, in the lead up before. And we were only, it was only a week, uh, yeah, just over a week before we actually got to Bathurst was our final final test and it went really well really smoothly you know no hiccups no issues our driver changes were, were good all this kind of stuff so you know I went went to Bathurst you know very positive but still anxious very very sure. anxious because it's sure. a you know we've been testing at a racetrack that's got a yeah, average lap speed of I don't know 118 or 20 kilometers an hour you go to Bathurst yeah, right. and you, it's an average lap speed of a well, was 190 or so I can't remember what they are but it's a big difference yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and and so in talk, talking about the vehicle, I mean, you're talking about how you know you you were able to make these little changes psychologically, but you know, had the car, had the technology. I mean, we've got to remember that it's not as if you hadn't driven these cars since you since you uh, since you left. Is that? that I mean, you, you but you just haven't driven them at that competitive level, correct? So, yeah. so you know, what technology is available, say now, compared to maybe when you did your last Bathurst, and is it, and uh, one thing that always that always, um, I guess, intrigues me is, you know, the simulator training. How, mm. you know, how much did you do of that, and and how close is that to race driving one of those vehicles? Well, um, I think you know the the this whole simulator thing is a really interesting topic, and I did nothing, you know, and it, and even. Uh, I mean, when I stopped racing back in 14, there were drivers that were that did have sims at that time and were starting to do it. it not so big in this part of the world, but bigger, you know, overseas and, and Formula One, you know, the, the money and the tech that uh, the, the effort that they put into their simulators and, and stuff, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, the evolution of that has, has been very fast and, and um, the tech around that side of things has just been enormous. I mean, I didn't get a sim. I got a sim during COVID because it became fashionable. There was everybody was getting sims, and and all of a sudden, you know, they had the E series for supercars, and everyone's got a sim. And so I ended up bloody going silly and spending way too much money on a sim too, which I've which I hardly used this year in preparation for going to Bathurst. None of it really made any sense. But that is a huge part of the success of a lot of the race car drivers that are uh, are at the top of their game. Shane Van Gisbergen, for example, you know, he's been using a sim for a very long time. And, and there's no question it's part of his repertoire and part of why he is, is so accurate and so consistent in his performance at the high level. Scott McLaughlin was, a, is, was an early adopter of, of a sim in this part of the world. And there's, there's lots of other guys too, which wasn't part of me. wasn't part of what how I trained or wasn't part of what my routines were as when I was you know coming to the end of my career a sim was not part of that at all um but now it's it's it is a, it's almost an everyday for for many of you know the the drivers that are out there to to hone and just keep sharp and it's a mental thing 
um, more so than anything else because that's that concentration, that repetition. It's delivering high performance just all the time. Um, and that's what that the sim does really, really well. It allows you know, a driver to jump in something that's very accurate in many, many ways. You don't get the seat of the pants, but you get you know, the the ability to be able to be precise with your, the way you drive the car, your braking, your steering inputs, your throttle, your gear shifts, all that kind of stuff. It's very accurate. So it's a critical part these days. And and um, Richie um, is, is, is incredibly sharp on a sim. Um, he's done a lot of competitions and, and I have no doubt that is part of why he is um, as good as he is at driving, driving a race car. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm okay on one that I'm, I'm certainly, you know, uh, I can see the benefit, but I, again, because of the fact that I'm not a race car driver sitting around um, focused on driving and my, and physical stuff and blah, 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 blah. Um, I just, I struggled to actually, like you're talking about before, sometimes you go, oh, I've got a bit of time, but uh, uh, oh, yeah, I, sure. I'll go and do something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, sort of felt guilty going and sitting in my sim for three or four hours in a day thinking I should really be doing something else that's maybe um, not more beneficial, but maybe a bit more productive for, for, for the majority of the, the day that I, you know, and the things I do during a day. So that, that was a, that's a big shift. That tech is huge, but obviously that tech and sim tech, sim technology is moving into so many more aspects of, of our lives, um, depending on what you do, you know, and and obviously we're very aware of of how important driving simulators are in the transport industry. They're, they're massively um, useful tools, and I think the more that that stuff um, is utilised by companies um, for their drivers, uh, the more people will understand how handy and how useful it is to to upskill um, sure. their drivers and do refreshes right in a, in an environment that's you know. It might be more difficult to be out on the road doing it. it. You can do it on a sim for specific kinds of areas that you're focused on. And, you know, every person that does drive a vehicle on the road out there needs to be doing refreshes on a more regular basis. And that's part of the problem is why, you know, why we've got such horrible statistics when it comes to um, injury and death on our roads, because people aren't up to up to the levels they need to be when it comes to the skills to operate these vehicles. And, and now it's coming through into you know, other machinery and forklifts and diggers and all this kind of stuff. It's a great way to get and and keep in tune and keep up to date with with techniques and that kind of stuff. So that's that's really, really critical. Yeah, great. So I mean, look, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're talking about you're talking about motorsport and the technology that's available inside there. That's been around a long time, is mm. now shifting across into our everyday use across yep. our transporting sector. And and as you say, it is really, really important. I want to move on. I want to move on and talk about race day because look, I happened to be at the New Zealand Bus and Coach uh, conference at the time, and we binned our entertainment on that night and put on the big screen <laughs> because we just knew. We just knew that there was going to be a lot of people wanting to watch this. And of course, we all know what happened in terms of the first couple of laps of that race. We knew the track was it was in a was in a well, an, an interesting state for, for the start of the race. Talk us through that 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 first that first lap where the carnage all happened and then the subsequent laps after that. Yeah, um, well, first of foremost, you know, uh strategy. Strategy plays a big part um, on the outcome of this race. So getting the right strategy is is um, really important. And, and 
And basically, um, there's a reasonable difference in in lap speed between Richie and I on a level playing field. And and so, you know, he's the A driver. So it, it's important that we we tried to follow the strategy of of a lot of the teams, and that was to give the the A driver the majority of the share towards the end of the race. So to do that meant that I had to start, which was something I was not looking forward to at all. Um, you know, uh, getting a, a, a sort of 1,400 plus kilo supercar off the line with 110 litres of fuel in the boot with 660 horsepower, trying to get them away with a long diff ratio because obviously you're doing close to 300 k's an hour down Conrod. It's not an easy task. And um, I don't even know if I did. I don't think I even did that in 2014. I think James Courtney started the race. So I don't think I'd done that since maybe 2013 or earlier. And um, so I wasn't looking forward to it at all. But anyway, I had to do it. I'd done some practice starts at Winton um, the week before. and But anyway, here you are, rolling around to the, the start of this race, the second row of the group. We're a wild card. You know, we, we, we're, we have just you know, upset the apple cart like you wouldn't believe, taking a spot away in the top yeah. 10 um, from a lot of other cars that probably should have been there um, right. because Richie went and qualified on Friday, you know, inside the 10. And That's right. and just, again, set everybody's tongues wagging and, and just highlighted, you know, why he should be racing full-time in the championship. That's right. Um, so anyway, came around, lined up, leg, my clutch leg was shaking. And um, I got the car off the line. wasn't a bad start, and uh, got into turn one. I think I had my nose in front in front of sec, you know, for second at that point. My mate Fabian Coulthard, who had told me before the start of the race that he wasn't going to run me wide into the mud and the water, ran me right wide into the mud and the water. We haven't actually yeah. had a chat about that yet. And um, sideways, and anyway, got going. wasn't too bad. I think we were sitting in fourth, and then straight away safety car. Um, so it was actually a little bit of a relief and an opportunity to actually take a breath at that stage. And, um, uh, but, you know, we got a look at the circuit and it was very challenging, very challenging. Um, but it was just good to get away and be uh, unscathed. And yep. yep. the first day. and that was all set. That was a lot of that set up by the fact that we were so far up the front of the, of the group. So, yes. you know, that, that was just amazing really. So, so, so you know, you, would it be fair to say, because there's been a lot of commentary around this, right? Um, you know, that with all due respect, being the, one of the elder statesmen on the track at the time, Greg. Facts are facts, mate. Facts are facts. <laughs> uh, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, lads and you know, a lot of drivers out there that were really vying for, as you say said earlier, auditioning for a for, yep. for a spot, right? Yeah. Would it be fair that they would probably just a little too gun ho right at the start of that and it created some of that havoc? You know, could yep. they sort of been a little bit, I guess, a little bit easier on the throttle and just sort of take things a little bit easier through that first lap to let things settle down a little, a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. And and that, and, that, and that can even be said for Jamie Wincup, you know. I mean, he was involved in, the, in that uh, first lap uh, situation that caused the first safety car. You know, he was involved in that as well. And I mean, he's been around that place and won that race and, you know, is one of the one of the all-time greats of the sport. And yet he was um still in a situation where he got caught up and um and I would suspect, I think, probably yeah, one of the one of the causes of that first safety car. Um, but and that come, you know, I and I thought about that a, a lot when it happened and and um 
a lot of that comes down to the teams as well, not, um, you know, giving the proper commentary to their drivers just to remind them, you know, fellas, you know, just if we lose a couple of spots, don't worry about it. You know, it's a, just take it easy. Everyone just, just take it easy. This is a thousand kilometers. I think it, it was like everyone had forgotten and um, it just went out the window. One thing that was very powerful for me was that um, I think I would have been the only driver in the field, uh, certainly who started the race, the only driver that started the race that was actually prepared to go backwards and, you know, as in right. loose positions. Yeah. I was, you know, because I expected it. And so being, I was more relaxed about it. It's like, if I get past, I get past. I wasn't, there's no stress, but I guarantee you every other driver in the field didn't, didn't feel like that. So it was actually a very powerful spot to be in and, and a unique, incredibly, I've never, I've never thought about that really before. You know, every other race that I've been in at Bathurst is, or any other supercar race, it's like, I need to move forward as quick as I can. So I sort of get it. But I think in the conditions that we were in, it wasn't like it was a bone dry track and the conditions were perfect. You know, it's it's a little bit different. But in a situation like this, where if you go off the road, it's going to be bad because you're going to, yeah. you know, and that was proven. Yeah. I don't think that was managed very well by any team manager or any engineer in the, in the field. So, wow. you know, um, and and I, you know, I made decisions to to ensure that I lowered the risk, whereas there was plenty of, go plenty of driving going on out there that was high risk that if the tiniest little thing went wrong, you were going to be in trouble. And that pr was proven, unfortunately, um, for Paul Zane Goddard, yes. um, who, who un, you know, had a, a judgment error, error, and I was sort of a part of it because he was passing me at the time, um, you know, and it was just a, a, a decision that he'd made. Listen, as drivers, you make decisions early. You've got a plan. He didn't just come down there and go, right, oh, geez, I'll have a crack at Merv. He'd made that plan earlier to do that move. It's just that it, you know, it was harder and he, he probably didn't expect it to be as a difficult pass as what it was. And he went off the road. And, and yeah. you know, I feel for him in a big way. I mean, he made a mistake, but, and this is a, a part of um, the world that is just so horrid and unacceptable these days is what happens with the use of social media. And, um, you know, he's a race car driver. He's a very good driver. He's a great young man. And, and he's been targeted and attacked yes. by people sitting behind computers um, who have no understanding of what it's like to drive at Bathurst. And he has been absolutely hit with, with just really horrible stuff that is unacceptable. And it's, dam it's damaging him as a person. And he doesn't deserve that, regardless of the fact that he was involved in the, and, and instigated a crash that put a lot of people out of that race you know, that no one deserves to have that. At the end of the day, it's just a car race. It is Great. just a car race. It is It is not as important as someone's health, mental health, and, you know, how they feel about themselves. And and that's, I just needed to make a point of that because it's just disgraceful and unacceptable that um, people target someone uh, because of, you know, certainly in a sporting environment, which is just not important in the scheme of, you know, of, of, of greater things. And it's and it look we know it's rife across every aspect of our lives now. You know, I look at I've got a couple of young kids that are coming up into that world, and it and it and it is and it is scary. Hey, just thinking now, I'm going. Given that you've you've come back, you've raced you've raced Bathurst this year. We know it's your last one. What would the Greg Murphy at fifty year old fifty years old now? What would it be said to the Greg Murphy 
uh, in terms of the start of that race, the very first Bathurst that you won uh, back in 96? Oh. Is there anything you would change in regards to that? Uh, the now, one now that you... So me now and knowing, knowing all the things I know, yeah, yeah that's, actually a, a, that's actually a really good question. And, and I think it would be incredibly difficult to listen to if I was telling my yeah, 1996 sure. version, 24 years old, um, yeah. after all the things that I've now, and, and the way I approached that race, um, it would be good advice to actually take. Um, but again, at 24, I don't know if I would have listened. <laughs> I don't know if I listened to myself. And I think I'm going through that now with my kids, right? Um, my two my two boys who are doing a bit of car racing, I'm not sure that they're taking everything I say on 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 board. And I think that's just the, you know, that 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 age bracket and that um that world that you're living in, your brain is just functioning in a different way. It's 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 in a rush, right? In in your early in your late teens or and well teenager through early twenties, you were just in such a rush. You know that moment that that moment that you're living in right now is the most important moment in your life. You know, so I understand how difficult it can be to actually change or or, or listen and and um you know, take things on like that. But, you know, I would try and give myself that advice just, you know, to um, you relax, believe in yourself, you know, that you can do this and and um, don't be in such a hurry sometimes, you know, uh, because yeah. you, sometimes you, you know, when you are, you put yourself in that space, you don't make the right decisions, right? And we see it's that. It's a great metaphor for everything though, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a metaphor for absolutely everything in, in, in life. You know, you know, if I could say that to my kids, but they are, they're in a rush. They want it now, don't they? And but it's but it's about it's about um, you know, assessing risk, right? It's um and mitigating it. Um and and actually understanding it and and referencing to so many things we do that we just pass off as no risk. Right, and and motorsport is seen as um is risky. It's not risky. It is just not. It, it, it compared to everyday life of of driving out the driveway in the morning or riding out on your push bike or your motorbike or going to work and the things that people do every day and falling into that category of 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 you know doing things robotically, you know, doing automatically, you know, because of the you know the routines that you fall into. Those are those are far more risky. I mean, we get, I get in a race car, I get, and I'm, and I, you know, again, driving that car the other day at Bathurst and you're 290 something kilometers an hour down Conrad, meh, whatever. It's not, you know, it was a buzz. It was a buzz straight away. But again, the further I got into the race, it was just, it was what it was, you know, what it felt like. It wasn't, I mean, it was really special. Sure. But it wasn't. It wasn't like I was hanging on. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe this. <laughs> it it fell back into the the routine, you know, really quickly. And 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 I never, I didn't get in that car at any stage, either in the testing or going to Bathurst, and and have any qualms about what I was going to do. There was never yeah. because I know how much effort and time goes into the preparation, the planning. Uh, risk mitigation, um, safety, it's all there, you know, and so it, it's incredibly safe, incredibly, and I would, you know, and I'm happy that my kids are getting in race cars, and as long as they are, you know, race cars that I know are safe and built properly and all that kind of stuff, doing it, because because they are, they're actually in, a, in an environment that has had 
an enormous amount of research and development and money spent on them to 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 mitigate that risk of in the case of a, a crash. 200 Ks an hour, I'd be more than happy to in any day of the week in a supercar have a shunt 230 kilometers an hour, have have a have a crash than I would having a 50 kilometer hour crash in any vehicle out there on on mainstream New Zealand roads. And and yeah. you know, I don't want an airbag smashing me in the face, I can tell you. No. And and that's no. that's that's bad. So, you know, people paying attention, making good decisions. You know, we've got all that there is there's a huge relevance to what you know we're talking about with what we're doing with motorsport and the concentration and 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 applying yourself properly and thinking. You know, we need more of that every day um in what we do every day and out out on on our roads here, people need to be paying attention because it's a complex task. And race cars, we're all going the same direction. You know, right. we're all going in the same direction. We're all going the same. There's no one else out there, you know. There's no one else coming the other way. There's no other um, hazards or distractions, you know, which are happening um, here and, you know, on our roads every day. And yet people are doing this while talking on their phones and texting and watching movies on their phones and, and doing all this other stuff. It's it's no wonder we've we've got the, the issues that we've got. Uh, were you happy with the outcome? Yeah. Um, uh, very, very happy. It's, uh, you know, at the, at, just straight after the race, it's like, wow. Oh, but if that had happened, and if that had happened, and, yeah, of course, oh, we of could course. Have, yeah, you know, and yeah, then you yeah. got you got to rewind. And go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But our natural instincts are to to actually start analysing and go, well, if that and you know, if it hadn't been turned around, and you know, blah blah blah, then we, and it's like, you know what? If you know, pre the race, all the way in the lead up for months and months and months, people asking, you know, what what's your expectation? What would be what would be a good result? And I first and foremost, the first thing that I had said, I've said. That many times was if we finish, I will be ecstatic, right? right? If we finish on the lead lap, that will be like far out, you know? Wow, because that yeah. is a very difficult thing to do. Sure. And if we have, if 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 by some miracle we ended up inside the top ten, I would just be, I'd be, yeah, just completely blown away. We finished twenty three seconds off Shane Van Gisbergen, you know, who won, who won the second Bathurst. 23 seconds off him on the lead lap in 11th. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it really, yeah, is, is, is mind, mind blowing. Yeah. So, so for you, that's a great way to, to, as you say, sort of finish the last, I guess, to close that chapter in, in well, your it life around. It already was closed. <laughs> well, that's right. That's well, that's right. But in terms of Richie, look, you know, we know that he was sort of had a, still had a question mark, you know, that the questions were asked whether he would return and, yep. and like, and maybe this isn't the question for you to answer, but you know, has there been any movement on that in terms of what Richie's going to go do, do going forward? Um, listen, he, he's, he's rejuvenated in his love for, I think, racing, uh, which is amazing. Um, yep. You know, I saw, uh, saw looks on his face, smiles on his face um, that, you know, he hadn't, hadn't shown in the last two years of, of going and competing. He's proven to himself, which, you know, again, we go, well, he didn't need to. Well, you still do. You still got to prove to yourself. And, and he proved to himself that he belongs. He proved to himself that he has, has got a skill that, that not everyone has got. Um, he proved, and not that he needed to prove to anyone in the paddock either, but he's, he's reminded them of how good he is um, at driving one of these race cars. And, and, you know, that shouldn't happen, but it has, it's needed to, 
Um, and it was it's up to him now to decide what's what's next, which um, you know, which is great. But his enthusiasm for it, um, the work and the effort he put in to prepare, um, uh, and he he sees himself in a really really good space. He's in a great mental space now. Um, a lot of challenges have moved on, and you know it's exciting, and it's going to be exciting to watch. Now there's you know there's there's some options out there currently, and hopefully there's going to be uh, you know one or two more. And then it'll be up to him to make his decision on what he actually wants to do. But at the end of the day, it needs to be with an organisation that's going to allow him to exploit every single part of of this inbuilt set of skills. Yeah, yeah. That's a watch the space situation, yeah. isn't it? Because it's, yeah, mm. look. Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to sort of jump here. I, I was lucky enough to uh, to be a part of Transporting New Zealand's uh, conference back. As we're going back sort of about four weeks ago and in the Cargill, great conference it was too. We did a Q&A session. There was lots of chat around. Uh, we know that we have an, uh, an aging um, a workforce in, yep. you know, in terms of uh, you know, truck drivers throughout throughout New Zealand. We know there's not a lot of female truck drivers, although there's a big push to change that, which is very, mm. very exciting in itself. But we also know that in, in a lot of cases, our truck drivers aren't necessarily looking after themselves in terms yep. of their fitness, their, uh, their good sleep. We know they do long hours. Um you know, given given what you've just gone through to get to Bathurst, and and you're a busy person too, and we know that you know you had a training regime that you couldn't always keep those sorts of hours that allowed you to have a really honed in training regime that was I'm going to get up at six o'clock and do that, and I'm going to do X Y Z. What do you think needs to needs to happen in terms of our industry around look look helping these drivers? You know. Um, you know, because I think there's a certain amount that we as employers can do to help them. And I know there's a lot of great employers out there that are yeah. doing that at the moment around keeping them fit. But yeah, there was a gentleman that spoke about how he's got a he's got a gentleman that is is overweight and he's and he's and he's um you know his his condition isn't good. He's, he's one of his key truck truck drivers. And he tried to sit down and have a conversation with him about his his mental health and about his physical well-being. And this gentleman just didn't want to engage. Like, you know, how do we how do we actually get across to you know our, our workforce that this is such an important part of of your job is to stay you know mentally and physically fit? How do we do that? It's a it's a huge huge challenge, obviously, and and there's a culture, right? And we've talked, and I think uh, a number of our episodes of the depot to. Um, a lot of industry uh, professionals about about this this problem, um, you know, and there's a perception too. You know, truck driving's got this perception around it, and you know, yep. she's the singlet wearing, bloody stubby wearing, yep. you know, yep. with the yep. with the work boots Absolutely. on, and yeah. you know, and we're we're tough and we're rough, and you know, and you know, it's just and it, it's changing, it's evolving, but it's 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 a continuous. Um, uh, it, sort of movement that needs to we have to keep working through uh over a long period of time i think to to adjust the culture and get 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 people to understand um you know that you're a professional driver you've got massive responsibility and you are also such an integral important part of our economy um, and, and we've discussed on lots of our you know we're talking to a lot of uh, managers and, and ceos of 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 truck companies too you know these people doing this job need to be on pedestals put on pedestals they need yes. to be seen and recognized and feel you know um 
how important they are, right? Um, uh, the public needs to understand and have more respect for this this segment, which is just a massive, massive part of 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 keeping the wheels turning here in New Zealand. Pardon oh, the pun. Can you imagine what can you imagine what would have happened during COVID, for example, oh. if that uh, whole sector shut down and look, well, they, they did a they were heroes of our country in a lot of ways. They but got they weren't. Like, but they weren't. But they weren't. They weren't perceived enough. Right and rec and recognised. Um, so you know, I think it's a it's a it's we are making change. I think there's a lot of information. There's a lot of um, companies that are doing a much better job. The focus too for for all these these amazing men and women driving these trucks and doing doing the job they're doing. You know, they need to know that also that there's nothing more important, nothing more important than themselves and getting themselves home um, after at the end yeah. of a shift. Nothing. And we've talked a lot about that as well. This has become a, a real sort of a statement, right, uh, for, for a lot of um, companies in this space. But it's a fact. And no one should ever feel that they are under that much pressure, that they have to do something that they know is not right and make that decision to, to drive or, or, or do something that is going to put themselves at risk. There's nothing. And these days, it's unacceptable to feel that, that that is pressure that you've got. So, you know, that needs to be first and foremost in everybody's mind that, you know, if you end up, you know, not being able to make a delivery um, because of or get somewhere where you need to be because of a whole lot of factors that were outside your control, um, then then that's just the way it is. We will still continue to move on. The pressure in, in New Zealand and around the world now to have next day, have in an hour have tomorrow have next week you know because we just need we're, we're consuming out of control is yes. ridiculous it's yep. absolutely ridiculous. seven days trading you know it's just all this stuff is just putting pressure on everybody the entire workforce and it's it's wrong we are doing it absolutely wrong we need to all be actually living more and enjoying life rather than you know being put under pressure just to work 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 constantly and we've all got to improve in that space yeah we talk about balance a lot don't we about balance yeah. but for me it's just it's just not many life, people though. have got it you not know they don't they don't it. but it's about just going look look you know what actually is going to make me happy is it about balance you know like well you know it's about going i want to spend some time with my family and i know i need to work i don't, I, don't, I work to live i don't live to work it's all those sorts of yeah. things that we that we know that we know comes true hey look i know we're going to need to wrap up very very shortly but i do want to ask you this mate and i did ask you this um when we caught up a few weeks ago you know you've um you've signed off and so what now I mean, what now? I mean, we know that you have a lot of, you know, you're, you're involved in, you know, obviously you're broadcasting and you've got, you know, you're ambassador of lots of different things. But, you know, what's the next big focus for, for Greg Murphy? <laughs> oh, it, it, it's, um, I suppose, uh, one of my, something I feel very thankful for is um, that uh, there's ever, ever changing sort of landscape. I suppose for me in many respects, um, you know, I, I only do things that I actually enjoy doing and only work with people that I, that I think I'm going to enjoy working with. And, and I'm very fortunate in that respect. Um, uh, uh, Peter Addison at the moment from Boost Mobile has got big plans for, for uh, motorsport or supercars in the future. And he keeps telling the world without telling me that I'm going to have something to do with that. Um, uh, so who knows where that will be, 
Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have intentions of, of of being back involved in the supercar paddock um, in any way, but um, I keep getting asked to do various bits and pieces here and there, and and, and that's very humbling. Um, but you know, I I do I do enjoy being here in New Zealand and um, not doing the trans Tasman travel as much. But who knows if if it's the right thing and and it's exciting and it and it sort of um, yeah, I look at it and go, you know, I can add, I can add value or I can be a part of that and, and offer something, then so be it. We'll, we'll, we'll take it one step at a time. But, you know, there's 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 so much to do here. Um, you know, I advocate very strongly for change in road safety and it's it's something that really grinds my gears and and um, upsets me in, in many ways because of the, the lack of um, knowledge in that area from a governance perspective. Um, you know, seeing wastage, and seeing, um, you know, not just in uh, in money, but in in lives um, through 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 things that I just I look at and go, this is this just should not be happening. And there's there's ways to change that will improve this, but it's not not happening. Um, that drives me to continue to 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 strive to get some change and talk to more people to so that they can understand it. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to do um in, in that space amongst a whole lot of other stuff so it's you know that's i see that just continuing and and evolving and and as long as i'm working with with uh like-minded individuals in, in various different spaces then you know there'll be there'll be the chance to to hopefully get that change happening and it's it's not about it's not about um recognition it's about actually um seeing uh you know things get better where people are you know, are benefiting from it. And and my focus is transport and road safety in that space. Other people are focused on lots of other areas that are really important um, that are that are looking to achieve similar kind of outcomes. Um, but I think I've got expertise in, in this area and the transport area and, and driving and all that kind of stuff that I know if there was some implementation on some very, very simple basic stuff that's different to what we are being told by ill-informed and inexperienced people, then we would we would see amazing change very, very quickly. Well, look, mate, thank you so much for all you advocate for, for all, all, all you do to, to, to try and keep our, our roads safe. We thank you for the incredible thrills and the ride that you've given us over what's been an incredible career, mate. It's been, it's been fantastic. And also talking to us now and sharing that journey back to Bathurst and that journey around what it took for you to stand at the bottom of that mountain, even if you did have the arm up the back to take you up there and uh, and do it. So look, mate, thank you so, so much. Murph will be back uh, next with the, with the next episode. We want to say a big thanks to AutoSense uh, for supporting and sponsoring the depot. If you're looking for help with uh, driver training or fatigue and distraction solutions, pop over and see them at autosense.co.nz and check out all the information that is ready available there. Likewise, if you uh, like what you heard today, um, uh, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and you'll get an alert of when the next podcast is available. And if you have something you'd like us to talk about or if you want to be part of the depot with Murph, try an email through to the depot at autosense.co. Murph, thanks so much, mate. Great to chat. Good stuff. Good on you, Doug. No worries, mate. Uh, and look, a uh, big thanks to AutoSense and thanks to you guys for listening too. We really, we really do genuinely appreciate it. Take you on the roads, travel safe.